This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and more specifically the Arsenal Transfer Show, the daily 8am show UK time, which keeps you up to date with all of the latest Arsenal transfer information, breaks it down, tries to make some sense of the chaos and get your thoughts and feelings too in the chat box as well. You join me for the final day of my holiday in the Peak District as I return home and you will never see this boring background ever again <laughs> i promise you back to the usual green screen antics very very soon now first of all an apology yesterday we did a uh, a show on tammy abraham um and we broke down the english striker chelsea striker but the first minute and 54 seconds of that show for some reason on youtube was cut off i don't know why i have absolutely no idea how it happened i contacted Streamyard, and they have no idea what happened because it streamed perfectly fine on twitter and it streamed perfectly fine on twitch so I don't really know why it cut off the first minute and 54 seconds on YouTube, but it did. Luckily, that was just me waffling for an intro. So uh, you didn't miss anything important. And the, all of the whole show is there. So please do make sure you go and check out the dedicated show, Breaking Down Tammy Abraham from yesterday, uh, with the help of Yuna's uh, Talks Football, talking about how he compares with Abamyang, Lacazette, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. As well, it's a really interesting listen to finding out some of the statistics on that as well. A couple of things also before we start. A massive welcome, first of all, to Raj. Thank you ever so much for joining up as a member and 1994 Gunners as well. Thank you ever so much for the continued support and joining up to help give the channel that extra push that it always needs. And welcome to the family. And if you have indeed joined up as an expert member or as a TGT ambassador, you'll get to join our Discord server as well. So make sure you do get involved with that. And good morning to everybody else as well in the chat box. Absolutely. Absolute pleasure to have you guys in here as always. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, without further ado, let's kick off with today's first story. And, you know, it, as it is, as is tradition whenever I go away or I'm not able to, say, react to things as quickly as I might like, Arsenal decide to drop a load of news. And this week, whilst I've gone on holiday, we announced the signing of Lukonga and we've now also announced the contract extension of The Smith, a.k.a. Emil Smith-Rowe. Um, and obviously, that was going to happen. It's just the way the world works. 
Um, but I did talk about it very briefly yesterday, but I'm going to talk about it now in a lot more detail. And this is obviously fantastic news for the club. Um, and, and I think when you look at the way that Edu and Arteta have been rightly criticised in certain areas, one of the areas that we cannot criticise them for is their kind of nailing down of the young talent in the club. You look at now Smith-Rowe, we look at Balogun, we look at Martinelli, we look at Saka, Kieran Tierney's had a new deal signed up, Rob Holding had a new deal signed up, Abamyang had a new deal signed up. We've got a lot of contracts done. Now, some of those contracts, of Amiang holding, maybe we have more reservations about. But what you cannot knock is the ability for us to re-sign our young, young talent. And now, of course, Emil Smith-Rowe with a brand new number. And interestingly, a wage bill that is still not necessarily hugely detrimental to breaking the structure. According to James Bench, Emil Smith-Rowe will earn just under and around £80,000 per week, which when you consider him in being kind of him being our number 10 going forward to being our kind of main creative force in the middle of the park for us. Having that that figure of £80,000 per week-ish uh, is pretty strong and solid for that position. When you, when you consider like Chelsea giving £100,000 per week to Callum hudson Adoy, someone who's not that integral to their first team just to keep hold of them, but for us to be able to nail down a new contract, which by the way is a five-year extension um, and a five-year contract rather, so it's uh, it will run out in 2026, um, the fact that we've managed to nail this down is is great. Uh, the fact that Bakayo Saka is, as far as I'm aware, in and around thirty to forty thousand pounds per week, which is crazy. Um, Smith Rowe is, yeah, a fantastic, and he's earned that contract, and he, and we're likely to extend the likes of Saka once again and give them that pay rise to fall in line with their competitors. It's just you know how football works at times. Uh, so yeah, five year deal, eighty thousand pounds per week. Great news for the club. Crying Villa fans in my comment sections, I apologise for absolutely nothing. And uh, I hope you enjoyed a few weeks where you thought you were going to get our boy. You never were, but I hope you enjoyed it anyway. So it's fantastic news for us, seeing Smith Rose sign that new deal, seeing him get the number 10. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get plenty of your comments uh, at the end of the news section, as always, to react to that, if you do have indeed any questions. We move on, though, to our next story, and this could be the end of the Granite Xhaka Saga. We've talked about this every single day, it feels like, for the past 81 shows. We've all been well aware of the fact that Granite Xhaka was likely going to leave Arsenal Football Club. We all were aware of the fact that it was likely going to be for Roma. But that now looks like it is going to take place. Reports emerging yesterday that indeed Roma have stumped up the cash. The 20 million euros that Arsenal have been waiting for, for this deal to be done. And uh, it's just great. It's great news for Arsenal. It's great what we, it's what we want to see ultimately. And uh, I'm hoping, fingers crossed anyway, that, that we can see this. Uh, it's just hopefully anyway, get this done would be absolutely fantastic for Arsenal just to move on from this situation and uh, and move forward to, to getting our replacement in. Now, the replacement, we don't really know because the links to Ruben Neves have gone very quiet. Locatelli doesn't seem like a genuine option right now. And for me, I really would like us to see us go for a genuine upgrade on Granite Xhaka. But the, the the idea of that happening right now is still quite quiet. And we're not 100% sure who that centre midfielder is going to be just yet. And I imagine that as soon as Granite Xhaka's departure is confirmed, we will, of course, see um, that the links to those central midfielders once again intensify and step up. So keep 
an eye on this space. If you haven't already, please make sure you drop a like on the video, guys, and subscribe to the channel if you're new to keep up to date with all the latest Arsenal transfer information and reaction to all of the next season coming forwards as well, as I'm sure you will stay with us for that. Moving on to Alexandre Lacazette, our French striker, looks like Arsenal are increasingly open to the idea of moving the French striker forward. Reports emanating yesterday from different sources of media across the continent actually saying that Arsenal would be open. The Athletic have also reported that Arsenal would be open to allowing him to leave. And I think ultimately this is always going to be kind of an option for Arsenal to see them move the player on. And uh, it makes complete sense because he's got one year left on his deal. We've got very kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Where we are lacking control of this situation. We don't really have the ball in our court. And when you've got a situation where a player's got one year left on his deal and he's worth a, a fair chunk of money, for me, I think that it's best to probably, you know, take the money if it comes and just invest it into a replacement that's going to be here for the long term, that's got potential, that's got that development time to get better. And let's be real, Lacazette is replaceable. He's not absolutely integral to what we do. And so I think, therefore, it is unsurprising to see these links with Lacazette being touted with a possible departure. And it's a shame because I think he could have done a lot better. I don't think he's necessarily fulfilled the expectation that he had when he came in. I don't think he progressed us any more than what Olivier Giroud did for Arsenal, which is a shame because we thought it would. But I don't think it's necessarily been supported by the right signings beyond that. And I think we've made a couple of mistakes in the market around Lacazette, which isn't necessarily his fault. But we'll wait and see as to whether or not Arsenal do indeed move him on and whether or not a replacement comes in and who that might be in this window. Moving on to Hector Bellerin, there's a lot of possible out news today rather than possible ins, only a couple of in stories and we move on to the next possible out being Hector Bellerin. This is a bit of a tricky one because whilst obviously Inter Milan were linked with a move and still are being linked with a move for Bellerin and he's been linked to the likes of Villarreal and Sevilla and Atletico Madrid as well, it's not particularly moving. It's not moving at all, really, um, this one. It's quite quiet right now. And uh, interestingly, Inter Milan are being linked to a move for Denzel Dumfries uh, instead of Hector Bellerin. That link has kind of come forward as maybe their priority over our Spanish right-back. And you've probably been noticing there's been barely any links whatsoever to Arsenal being linked with right-backs in the market. And that comes down a lot to the fact that Hector Bellerin is, of course, still here. And whilst Bellerin is still here and we've got three right-backs with Cedric and Callum Chambers here as well and Ainsley Maitland-Niles that can play there too, I doubt Arsenal are going to be moving for a right-back whilst we've got all of these options at the club. And it is going to take some time before those players move on to whether or not we then see some links. But at the moment, Hector Bellerin has no genuine offers right now on the table for him uh, and there is only very weak interest. So if you're hoping for some links to right-backs or you're hoping for the club to move for a right-back, very soon, I wouldn't get your hopes up too high at this stage of time. And I also wouldn't criticise the club necessarily for the right-back situation because, as we've talked about, we currently have four players that can play there, uh, not including Ben White, should he come in. Um, so it's unsurprising um, that Hector Bellerin being here has meant that we aren't being linked with a right-back and we're not looking like we're signing one right now because currently we are trying to get rid of the players that we need to get rid of to then bring some players in. Moving on to Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who is garnering plenty of interest, it seems. Leicester, Southampton are clubs that are interested in bringing in Ainsley Maitland-Niles next season. 
Uh, and Leicester, of course, are a club that we know we have interest in one of their players. And so you put two and two together. And you can imagine there's the reason as to why a lot of people feel that maybe we could use Ainsley Maitland-Niles with that possible deal for one of their players, who we'll talk about in a little bit. But he's got any interest, which is good. The source comes from the BBC, so it is very, very uh, well-placed. And fingers crossed, if he is going to go, Arsenal can get a very decent sum of money for the England international. Moving on to possible ins, and there's only a couple of them today. Aaron Ramsdale, Arsenal are expected to go in with one more bid for the Sheffield United goalkeeper. The view supposedly is, is that he wouldn't actually necessarily be just simply a backup for Arsenal, and that's why Arsenal are indeed pushing so hard for Aaron Ramsdale. He would indeed be more of a player that would compete with Leno and even be a successor to the German goalkeeper, despite uh, Leno not being at his 30th birthday yet, I believe, or maybe he's just hitting 30. Let me just double check that. Um, but in terms of, yeah, so he's 29. So he's going to turn 30 in March of next year. And in, it's not exactly old for a goalkeeper. So I'm not sure the idea behind him being a successor to Leno is unless Leno, of course, obviously wants to move on. And he has only a couple of years left on his current deal. And there's no signs of an extension as of yet. But just the fee for Ramsdale, we've talked about this before, is just far too high. And I just can't get my head around why, why Arsenal are going to be looking to pay this much money for him. It does seem very, very strange. If we were looking at like 15 odd million quid, I'd be open to it because I think he's a good goalkeeper. I mean, he's the player of the season for the club he's played for for the last three years. So he's not bad. But the thing is, is it's just a really odd amount of money to see being associated with this deal, especially considering that we let go of Emmy Martinez for 10 million and plus more than, than this guy already. And it's it's a real, real strange one. Anyway, we will wait and see how this one plays out. But it's a, it's just an odd story. And we finally move on to our final story and talk a little bit about James Madison. Now, I want to address some of the things that came out yesterday. Um, and I want to address a tweet that I put out that, <laughs> that certainly got a lot of attention in regards to some backlash, uh, which I can understand. Now, if you remember way back couple of months ago, I think it was, and the, the AFC Bell, in all their wisdom, um, did tweet out that Arsenal were indeed interested in, in James Madison. And in that tweet mentioned that uh, he would be offered uh, the number 10 shirt as a possible bargaining chip. And now we obviously know uh, that Emil Smith-Rowe has taken that number 10 shirt. And obviously, I put out a tongue-in-cheek tweet um, yesterday, which if you ever question the ever-growing uh, and, and legitimate, of course, wisdom of the bell, you are yet to see and obvious to see plenty of backlash going, why are you questioning this person? But I, I think it's important to talk about the fact that you should always be looking to question where information comes from. Always. Absolutely. There's no guarantees in this world. There's more likely destinations. And for that, you should definitely go to verified journalist sources. But with James Madison... Is there interest in him? Absolutely. It's very clear to see there's interest in him. There's plenty of sources out there that are saying that we are looking at James Madison. Do I want James Madison? 100% would love to see Arsenal go for him. Do I think that we'll get him? I'm very, very apprehensive about the idea of the likelihood that we would get James Madison. I just think I can't see Arsenal paying the figure that Leicester would want for him. Um, and that is, for me anyway, just a real big kind of red flag as to whether or not he would join. And when Arsenal are spending £50 million on a centre-back and £30-odd million pounds on a backup goalkeeper and they've got to go get a centre midfielder, they've already spent money on Lokonga and Tavares as well. 
and they're linked with forwards for 40 million quid. Are they really going to spend upwards of 70 million on James Madison? It would be absolutely shocking. Leicester do tend to let one big player go every single season if the money is right. So I would more than, I'd be more than happy to say that I think Leicester would sell if Arsenal were to stump up the cash. But it's, and it's not about whether or not, as Adam there says, is worth every penny. And I'm not saying I disagree with that. I just don't think Arsenal are going to, um, kind of stump up that money it just doesn't seem like a realistic situation uh and uh, as you guys are pointing out in the chat david ornstein has said that the james madison deal is unlikely that doesn't mean it's not going to happen it just means that as i've said there i'd be very surprised if it did um, so i wouldn't get any of your madison hopes up just yet and that does conclude all of today's news which means we move on to the final part of the show and of course your questions in the chat box so if you do indeed have a question that you'd like to see answered and throw them into the chat box now and we'll try and go through as many of them as feasibly possible. Let's scroll up a little bit and get some of your uh, thoughts from earlier on in the show. Mr. Joe Kerr, one of our fantastic members, says, Tom, why not hold fire on a right back for now with the January window opening again in just five months? Surely Cedric and Chambers with uh, white as possible cover can do the job for that small period of time. Now, this is, I'm not panicking about the right back situation. So I completely understand the idea of kind of holding fire on that right back place, especially when we've got so many other areas that we need to invest in that genuinely do need an upgrade in the quality that's there. I was also very happy with Callum Chambers' performances at right back in the second half of last season. I thought he did it really, really well. I thought he was an exceptional right back in those games. The games like West Ham come to light as examples of really good performances, especially defensively as well. And he really added that side that we'd lost with Hector Bellerin being there. And his deliveries was also good, something that improved with him playing at right back. I still think Arsenal need a better right back option than Callum Chambers. And I think he's a great utility option that can play both right back and of course, centre back as well. And that gives us plenty of options with Callum Chambers. Cedric, it's not just that I don't necessarily think he's got the quality necessary to be Arsenal starting right back. But the key factor, being his agent, is also something I have a lot of apprehension about and wanting to kind of move that factor out of the club as much as feasibly possible. Yes, we could wait. But my, my concern is, is that we ultimately see Pepe, as our right winger, struggle because he doesn't necessarily have a quality enough right back behind him to really feed him and give him that service and be a deliverer and overlapper and someone that really can work in sync with him. That's what I want to see. If, if we're going to put a lot of stock in Pepe this season, I'd like to see him backed up with a real quality right back. I'm just not sure that we've currently got that at the club and that could cost us in those first five months. Uh, Matt G says, we need a squad overhaul, but is there a risk of so many new players taking too long to gel? It's such an important season for us. We need to hit the ground running. Matt, I'd usually, usually I'd be absolutely 100% on board with you. The problem is, is we need to desperately upgrade in so many areas that we can't really afford not to take the risk of adding a number of players to the club. Now, if you think about it, I think Arsenal need a minimum of four starting changes. That comes from centre midfield. It comes from attacking midfield. It comes from right back. And clearly, also, one of them has come from centre-back. Now, you then look at the left-back backup situation, you look at the goalkeeper situation, and you look at the forward situation. You even look at maybe as a third centre-midfielder on top of a, a starting, a Lokonga, and then one other player that could even be brought in. But I think four starters is, is my minimum that I'm looking for at this summer window that need to be brought in 
to upgrade on the current situation of the squad. Does four players drastically change things? Yes. Does it have a huge detrimental effect on the chemistry of those players? I'm not so sure that it does, especially when you consider that the attacking midfield role can be subsidised by already having uh, Emil Smith-Rowe there, that we've got plenty of options at right-back, that we're targeting players that are also already in the Premier League, which makes them much easier to transition and adjust to the league in itself because they've already played there like Ben White or Ruben Neves. So because of all those factors, I don't necessarily, Matt, feel that it would be too big of a risk. I mean, go watch them sign all these players and then struggle. There's always a possibility that that might happen, but I'm confident that it wouldn't necessarily be too much of an issue, if that makes sense. Um, Sahil says, Tom, do you think uh, we will need to get the business done ASAP now before Spurs get $160 million for Kane? I feel like Spurs are going to spend money this summer knowing that Kane's going to leave. They're being linked with Christian Romero of Atalanta, who is a very decent uh, Argentinian centre-back. Um, but the thing is, I, I just I I'm, I don't get too concerned by how Spurs spend their money. They they sometimes make some very decent signings, and Son and Joyberg are evidence of that. But then they spend big money on players like Roberto Soldado, like Everett Lamella, and 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 those kinds of signings don't necessarily fill me with concern. Um, and so therefore, I'm not that worried because losing Kane for them. I feel is much more damaging than any 100 plus million uh, windfall that they're going to get. I just feel like what they'll lose in Harry Kane going is going to be much more detrimental than anything that they can replace him with because he's an irreplaceable forward. So it's I'm, I'm fine seeing him leave for that amount of money and I don't think it should dictate how we... Um, how we kind of deal with the situation either. Uh, Christopher Martin says, Tom, any news on Steve Bold's replacement? No, there isn't in regards to kind of a, a specific appointed replacement. I'm aware I think they've promoted from within for the, for a temporary period and see how that goes, but they've not appointed anyone specific, I can't think of anyway. And in regards to Kido Taylor-Hart, he is expected to sign a new deal. We've seen Arthur Oconquo, of course, sign. Kido Taylor-Hart's actual contract did expire, as far as I'm aware, already. And yet he's still at the club. He's still here. So that gives you a big indication that either it's not been announced or it's just done behind the scenes. I mean, Emil Smith-Rowe, for instance, has been done for a while and we didn't announce it until much later. But Chris Wheatley revealed that Kido Taylor-Hart is expected to sign this new contract. So I would trust that info and, and I believe that he, he is either already or is very imminently going to be announced as having signed that new deal. Uh, Maxi says, uh, Tom, are you concerned that we haven't sold any players at this point? Concerned, yes. Um, we haven't sold enough players at this stage of the window. Fact. Uh, it's very difficult and I have sympathy for, for the kind of the job that's behind the scenes because unfortunately we're, we're trying to get rid of a lot of deadwood that we've got at the club and that's very difficult. Um, but yeah, so I do have sympathy for the situation, but I am concerned that we are not yet moving on enough players. Hopefully, we start to see a bit of a domino process go with Granite Xhaka leaving, with us investing in other players in the same position. Mate, Niles is getting plenty of interest. Hopefully, Hector Bellerin can be moved on. Willian, I'm very concerned about because his, his wage, packet, uh, wage packet has basically trapped him at the club. And so, therefore, <laughs> we, it, it's a real possibility that Willian won't go, despite us being told by the all-knowing Fabrizio Romano that he is definitely leaving. So, uh it's 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 a, it's a strange situation. Torreira is another one. And Anish says, Tom, do you think that Torreira deserves at least a chance alongside Partey? 
And the thing is, I like Lucas Torreira a lot. I just don't think he wants to be here. I don't think that he has that kind of ambition to really succeed at Arsenal right now. And so, therefore, it makes sense to probably move him on. If he stays, then that's fine. Then we've got another centre midfield option, I think, that is of a quality player. Does he want to stay? I just don't think he does. Does Arteta trust him? I don't think Arteta necessarily has that same liking for him. So, we'll wait and see. But it's it's a tricky situation because he didn't sign Torreira, of course. He's not an Arteta player. Uh, he's an Unai Emery player, or rather, he was really kind of an Arsenal Raul Sanyehi kind of player because he was brought in under that regime. So, yeah, it's it's a strange situation with Torreira. One that I expect to be resolved and him to leave. I'll be surprised if he stays, but I don't know how much money we're going to end up getting for him, for instance. Um, uh, Kunjan says, Fabrizio Romano mentioned that Saliba is likely to feature next season and Arsenal will try and sign another centre-back. Um I, I haven't heard that info and I haven't seen that info, so I can't really comment on it. I'd be surprised if Saliba wasn't given a, at least a chance next season, especially if he's played a full season at Marseille. It's a messy situation that we've talked about a hell of a lot. Dave, uh, one of our fantastic members, says, if not Madison, then who should we go for? Not pursuing Buendia is looking like an ever poorer decision. I agree with you. I was so up for Buendia signing. And he obviously, if you haven't seen the highlight of Aston Villa's game in preseason, he had an amazing assist. I think it was for Ollie Watkins um, in their preseason fixture. That kind of pass that we saw in that game is just something that Arsenal have really been lacking um, in, in their game. And not getting him does look to be an ever-increasingly annoying uh, mistake that Arsenal have made there to not push for that harder. Who do we go for? Well, Erdogan looks like he's staying... We may not get James Madison, which I'd, again, I say we may not. I'd be highly surprised if we got him. There are options out there. I mean, I did a whole video on Emmy Buendia alternatives that we could go and look at. You, if you want to go and have a look at that video, if you just type in Emmy Buendia alternatives and the Guna Talk, it will come up and you can give it a watch. But it's, I like certain players like Danny Olmo, but I just think he's way too expensive. I like Kamada from Frankfurt, a really creative player, five goals, 15 assists last season in, in the Bundesliga. Marcel Sabitzer is someone that can play as a 10, but has also got the versatility to play as an eight, like much he did last season, and, and as a seven on the right wing too. There are options. It's, it's just I don't feel that Arsenal are going to press for a player that they don't necessarily think is going to have a huge impact straight away. And they may end up just sticking with Emil Smith-Rowe, which I think would be a mistake, especially considering his injury record. And, and so that's that's a bit of a problem. Let's scroll down a bit further in the chat box and get some of your more recent questions. Apologies if I have missed yours. There are a lot of questions that come in. I can only read so many. Uh, Tom, two weeks before the windows uh, and still no first-team signings. I can see where this season. Uh, I can see that where this season is going. Are you not worried? Um, I'm not. I'm concerned, but I'm not that kind of. I'm not panicking yet because I know how quickly things can change. Uh, I mean, Arsenal could make two signings in a week, and it, this all of this completely shatters the idea of the negativity at the moment. So I will wait and I will bide my time. In the week leading up to the first Premier League game of the season, if we're still sitting on White, Lukonga and Tavaj, then I'm sitting there like, yeah, I'm not sure that we're, that we're as best prepared as we could have done, especially considering we were told that there is a plan uh, at the end of last season. So then I'll be very worried. But at this point in time, still in July, I'm not, I'm not going to get too panicky. 
but I am concerned at this stage, yes. Uh, Emmanuel says, uh, hopefully we are about to see a lot of activity happening going into August. I'm doubtful of the supposed overhaul. I can already hear Arteta saying we couldn't do what we wanted this summer, uh, which would be a real kick in the teeth to a lot of Arsenal fans that have, you know, stuck it out, I suppose, and really kind of trusted Arteta in this window. And I know there's a lot of you that have, and it would be a bit of a, a real kick in the teeth to those that have. Um because you've because you've trusted what you've been told and what we've been said about the plan that supposedly was there, so uh, yeah, you should be you're entitled to be annoyed and disappointed if Arsenal don't ultimately get the players that they're looking and, and want to be signing this window. Uncle says, I know it's tricky, but we should also bite the bullet now and get the players that we want. Throw financial caution to the winds for the sure things. Um, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because do you do you want to overpay on certain players like a Ramsdale? Do you want to overpay on a Tammy Abraham? Do you want to overpay on a Martin Erdegaard? I'm not sure that I would want to overpay considering how bad our recruitment's been, how much we need to focus on improving the way that we sign players. Yes, I'd like us to see us spend smartly and spend well this summer, but I don't necessarily want to see us spend badly. Uh, and, and spending badly can happen if you do throw financial caution to the wind. We're already spending a lot of money on Ben White from the looks of things. And so you would think that other deals are going to be affected by how much that's hurt us and how much we sell this window as well. Uh, James Rose says, Sander Berg has been linked again. Are we playing poker with Sheffield United to see who folds first? I, if he has been linked again, which I've not seen, um, I've not seen a link to... to to Sanderberg creep up again, but I may have missed that. Um, he's a good player. I like him. I just think there are better options out there personally for Arsenal. He's not one that I would write off by any stretch of the imagination, but for a £35 million figure, which is one of the figures that would be in quoted for, I just think, again, that's just, just way, way too much. Um, Nurfan uh, says, uh, what's, uh, what formation will Arteta be going for next season? And does his emphasis on structure stifle creativity? Question two, is Arteta, uh, or is it Arteta, his staff or players' problems that we are so bad on set pieces? I mean, last season, we are one of the best uh, records in terms of, I think it was defending set pieces, but then trying to attack set pieces, we didn't have one of the best at all. It's, it's, it's one of those two, um, or vice versa. So in that regard, one dimension was great, the other dimension was awful, and so we needed to improve on that. It's always going to be down to the goalkeeping, the goalkeeping coach, the set piece coach to be in charge of helping us to improve that area. But the buck does fall and does stop with Mikel Arteta. He's the guy that assigns his coaching staff and, and identifies the people that he wants. He's brought a new set piece coach in. We conceded two set pieces against Rangers. So that's certainly an area that needs to improve. But you would hope that that would happen with time. In regards to in like a formation that stifles creativity, if you play with a number 10, that's not really stifling creativity in my mind. If you play with a 4-4-2, I think it, it does a bit. I think a 4-4-2 that we've seen in pre-season is only because of the personnel that we've taken on these trips and that we haven't necessarily used a number 10 as much. Um, but that's that's probably the reason why, because we've taken four strikers in Balogun and Ketia, Abamyang and Lacazette, and you've got to try and get them all minutes. So a 4-4-2 does lend itself to, to that kind of situation. So I think that kind of formation stifles creativity more so if you don't necessarily have the firepower up front and the self-creation in those strikers that we don't really have. We don't have an Erling Haaland. We don't have a Harry Kane. We don't have these world-class strikers at the moment that are in the in the sense of self-creation. Bamiang is a world-class finisher when he's on form, which he isn't right now. 
but he's not a world-class self-creating striker. He very rarely creates goals for himself. You don't often see the ones where he cuts inside and smashes him into the bottom corner as much anymore. He's got it in his locker, but it's not a consistent output from him in that sense. And so I think that a 4-4-2 requires a kind of a Harry Kane-esque player to be someone that is creative, that can hold the ball up, that can link play and can be very clinical and his movement and positioning is spot on. And we don't necessarily have that. So I think the formation that hopefully Arteta chooses will be either a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1 that doesn't stifle creation and certainly adds to it. Anyway, that does fill your half an hour for today. So thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Please drop a like on the video if you have not already and subscribe to the channel if you're new around here. We are on our way now to 26,000 subscribers. So thank you so much for all the support. As always, this is the last show that you joined me for live from the Peak District. Uh, tomorrow we'll be back to business as usual from uh, the fine confines of my office with a green screen behind me and a much welcomed return to normality as well. Um, as I said already, please show your support in the channel. Thank you so much for the new members that have joined us. Uh, today as well and of course over the past weeks and months and years as well see you guys tomorrow morning it's been an absolute pleasure as always and as always up the arsenal it's the 90 plus minute all your mates around and you've got a mcnuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfection Order now on the McDonald's app for your Mook delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.